This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture is still rushing, and woo, uh, we have a normal winter or what? Um, you know, but that's sort of what you expect. Right before Valentine's Day, you expect it to be cold. But anyway, there's a lot of things going on in the garden that you don't need to worry about. There's a lot of stuff that people are fretting over that's not that big a deal. And we can talk about that and any other kind of things. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's what we're doing here this morning. So, Java, how are you doing? How are you and yours doing? Uh, we're doing fine, man. I, um, glad you're um, here with us today and next week. You'll be back in the studio. So uh, before we get too far gone, I want to wish you uh, safe travels. Uh, you know, all goes all goes well. But, uh, yeah, everything's everything's uh, fine here uh, uh, in the studio at, at, the, at the house and Trying to stay bundled up, man. We keep dipping below freezing. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I, but before I left back in uh, December, I turned my heater on enough to sort of keep the humidity down in, in my little cabin because, you know, I, I live in a little cabin in, in the, my backyard. And um, I'm hoping that it's warm when I get in because I'm supposed to get in Sunday night and it's going to be pretty cold. But, oh, well, that's part of it. So, uh, hey, um, I've been – getting a lot of people a lot of questions about things that are going on this time of year java and there are some events going on this weekend mostly plant sales you know a lot of people over the decades have gotten free trees from extension service the soil conservation service the forestry service and these tree giveaways a pretty good idea matter of fact i got some that were these little switches they, they look like switches they're knee high and uh, i got some on a february 36 years ago, when my son was born, I got some the week my son was born, put them in the ground. They just look like switches, a foot, foot and a half tall. And they grow so fast that when my boy was four years old, we both fell out of one that I planted when it was only knee high when when he was born. So these little free tree, tree giveaways are a really good idea. But there's some plant sales going on. There's one in community center in Clinton. They have a big native plant sale every uh, every winter. Uh, so the uh, Clinton Community Nature Center have a plant sale this Saturday, uh, the 12th. Also, there's one down at Crosby Arboretum. They have a big native plant sale uh, on uh, on Saturday. Both of these are great events. They have terrific plants. They're native. They got trees and shrubs and flowers. Really, really good landscape quality plants that just happen to be native. Um, so anybody who's interested in those kind of things, if you just either, either Google uh, Crosby Arboretum or Clinton Community Nature Center, get all the details you need there. So you know of anything going on right now, Java? Well, not really, man. I know today is a really, really pretty day um, for, like you were saying, February. It's a little a little chilly, but we're going to get all the way up to this is what I just I mean, Mississippi weather is all a complete roller coaster, man. We're going to get all the way up to 74 today and then uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow night we're going to get to 27. Like it was just a, a roller coaster, man. 50 degree swing. Like, come on. What is what is happening? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the reason. That's the reason we have pockets so you can put your gloves in them when you need them. But uh, you know, this this uh, this weekend, there's a lot of a lot of things going on. But um, I, I want to throw something out. This is kind of uh, an article I'd written oh a year or two ago, I guess, about gardening for the heart. You know, with Valentine's coming up, everybody's thinking, you know, what can we do gardening for the you know heart type stuff. And I got to thinking, gardening. Is, you know, everybody talks about how healthy gardening is, you know, the physical benefits, you know, getting out and mowing the grass and stuff like that. And I'm thinking the physical benefits, Java, really aren't that great. There's a lot of exertion. You know, if you get out and, you know, if your your shoulders ache or your, your arms ache from, from doing stuff, but those are usually one shot. But even mowing the grass, you know, do that once, what, every couple of weeks and just sort of uh, trudging back and forth, you know, pushing and pulling. Um and, and even picking up pecans, you know, that's not exactly a half-moon yoga pose. But a whole lot of people are talking <laughs> about the physical benefits of gardening. And, Java, I'm thinking we don't think about the heart part of it. Um, I mean, you know, raking leaves, turning compost, that's once or twice a year. But things like, um, you know, just slowing down and appreciating things. That's you what I'm about to say. It like, does something um, good for like enthusiasm, your um, your anticipation, almost um, optimism, because um, you know you plant, but you don't know how things are going to turn out. But you just you have you're not planning because you know they're going to turn bad. So you know that optimism, that uh, anticipation when you see that first little bud, like oh, what's going to happen next? I, I understand completely what you're saying. Yeah, and you know, it's a lot of little things too. Um, you know, biting into a homegrown tomato, it might have cost you, you know, who knows how much we actually spend to grow a tomato at home. But biting into it, you know, when it's nice and warm and sweet and fragrant right off the vine, so much better than store-bought stuff. But I'm also thinking about even if you can't grow your own vegetables, going to a farmer's market makes you feel good because, you know, you, we're talking about people who are just trying to keep shoes on their kids' feet, but they're growing stuff locally that they know that local people like to eat. And so that that's good. But, you know, things like sharing a cutting off a night blooming cereus or putting some zinnias in a vase or, or um, uh, showing a kid how to put some wildflowers in a vase and teach about flower design, that's, you know, that's, that's watering windowsill African violet. Picking up a worm that's on the sidewalk and putting it back in the grass. You know, am I the only one that does that? No, no, no. That's how I'm about to say. There you go. I, I, I do that when I, when I see it. <laughs> you know, and it's just little, it's little things like that. Um, and one of the most important things about gardening that's, that's, that's really good for mental and emotional well-being is even um, arguing with people about gardening. I mean, the paper whites really smell like cat pee. I don't know, but when you, you know, when you're sharing plants, you're talking to other people. It's communication, making you feel good. And I think that that's good and heart healthy. I think that's, that's, that's more than just keeping us physically fit. We foster good feelings and gratitude. And I think that's about as heart healthy as you can get. Anyway, I don't know why I'm so maudlin about this, but there it is. Well, I know we have a full bank of calls over here from everyone from uh, Florence and Jackson and Biloxi. Um, so let's start on the Gulf Coast with our very first caller this morning. Um yeah, with Larry in Biloxi. All righty. Hey, Larry, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I just want to get out there and dig in the dirt a little bit. and Is it too early to uh, – it's not too cold uh, down here, I don't think. But uh, um, what about uh, planting some uh, seed, uh, uh, grass seeds right about now? Is it too soon? 
Yeah, it really is. Grass seed's not going to really sprout till the soil warms up. And they're on the Gulf Coast, that's at the end of March, maybe in the first of April. You know, if you put it out now, the, the, it'll it'll sit there. But if we have some warm days that starts to sprout, and then it turns cold and wet again, those tiny little seed sprouts can can rot or die. So it's really better if you're going to do seeds to wait till not just the end of March. I'd wait till April when the soil is good and warm, and the seeds will come up real fast then. And uh, they, and they, they won't skip a beat. Uh, to me, that'd be better. You could put sod out now, but you got to water it because it doesn't have roots. But I'd wait till April to sort of start any grass seed. Same thing with zinnias and and other any kind of seed you put in the ground. Let's wait till it warms up a little bit. Okay, great, thanks. All righty, that was easy. That was easy enough. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, one other thing, job I want to mention before we go to this next call is I'm doing a uh, a program on home food growing uh, a week from tomorrow, on the 19th of February uh, at Hutto's. It's a garden center in Jackson. I've been doing this for years and years. It's a free seminar. We're going to cover all types of fruits that grow well, the varieties that are best for, for Mississippi, uh, planting, pruning, all that kind of stuff. It's a free seminar. It starts at 9 o'clock Saturday, February the 19th at Hutto's in Jackson. Now, we can talk about that more a little, a, bit, a little bit later, but just want to throw that out. Uh, meanwhile, let's slide up to Jackson talk with Mike. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, can you hear me okay? Hello. I sure can. How are we doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day, and um, thank you for taking my call. I have two questions. Uh, one may be in your – one's in your wheelhouse, wheelhouse. One may not be. I bought some of the – I mean, I, I got and I bought some of the, sap, the little uh, – Briggs you get from soil water conservation this last weekend and yeah. I had a question about how long should I wait till I uh, put them in the ground and I'm got them in my garage should they get water and then also um, I might go to your seminar because I got six red delicious apple trees that's kind of my first question oh. the other one I'm not sure that you can help me with it has to do with I, I just bought five acres that was a pine tree forest that was thinned and a lot of pine trees got scraped when they were thinning them, and they have damage to them. And I wanted to know, should I hire somebody to do insecticides, spray paint the injured parts, or what do I do? Yeah, the, yeah, and that is sort of in my wheelhouse. I, I you know, I, I work with with tree. It's a forestry situation is one thing, but when it comes to individual trees, I I, I literally taught the course. Let, let me answer uh, backwards first. Those little tree seedlings, I'd put them in the ground just as soon as you possibly can. They're used to being outside. They'll do better if you put them in the ground. Just, the, I wouldn't keep them in water, but I'd, I'd wrap the, the roots and keep them moist. Don't let the roots dry out. But I don't think I'd soak them for, for two days in a bucket of water. Um, the quicker you put them out, the quicker they're going to get established. And the only thing to really worry about when you plant them is to make sure that it, that the little root isn't curled up. You know, don't shove it in a hole where the roots curl like a J shape. And then make sure when when you when you plant them, you can look on the little trunks and see about an inch or inch and a half area between where the roots were and where the bark starts. You know, right where they were growing. That make sure that you that you plant them level with how they were growing to begin with. Don't put them even an inch or two deeper than that. But I put them out as soon as possible. They, you know, they'll do so much better in the ground and get established before they start sprouting, which is just going to be in a few weeks. Right. Is uh, and I've, 10 I've done days this, too I, long I've done to wait? What's that? Is 10 days too long to wait? No, it's not too late, but, uh, you know, keep them cool. You know, keep them moist. I wouldn't soak them in water that long because the, the roots are right. rotten. 
but uh, you know, just keep okay. you know maybe wrap them in some moist potting soil in a in a you know throw them in a, a trash bag or some moist potting soil or something like that. I think that that okay. would help a lot. But uh, the, the sooner you get them in the ground, the better. And uh, okay. and I've done this so many times. Now, as far as your other things, uh, you got six red delicious apples, which mainly mainly you have six different parts of one type of apple. And apple trees don't produce well unless you get pollen from a different variety. So you've got six. You basically you got you got six limbs off of one tree. So if you wanted to produce fruit, you really need to get another different kind of apple that will cross pollinate it. And it's just a, a you know some fruits don't need cross pollination. Some like apples do. And uh, so what, you know what you should I get? Like a Molly's. Well, there's so many to to, to choose from. Uh, it really depends on what you can find. But anything other anything. than a red okay. delicious, and uh, okay, you know, that, that's going to be important. Also, keep in mind that not all apple trees do well in Mississippi. They they tell time by the by the number of cold hours they get in the winter time. That's what keeps uh, the trees up north from blooming in the middle of the winter. And if they don't get if they don't get enough chilling hours, they're not going to bloom right. Uh, if they bloom at all. So we need to find varieties that are really well adapted for Mississippi. If you'll shoot me a, an email, if you can't make it um, uh, uh, next Saturday, shoot me an email. I'll send you a list of, of pretty good varieties. Or let's just go to msucares.com and, and just in the search box do apple varieties. And it has a list of which varieties do best in North Mississippi, which ones do best in South Mississippi. MSU Cares. Dot com. Just click apple varieties. Okay. Um, what about the pine beetle prevention? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- th- they clear that, I guess, with 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 equipment, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's really rough. What happens is uh, is the equipment not only scars the trunks, but it also crushes the roots of the ones that are left. The biggest problem we have with this is when when pine trees are stressed or if they get wounds on them, pine bark beetles are attracted. And we're talking about things about the size of a grain of rice. Nine times out of ten, when you see pine beetles killing a tree, it's because it was weakened or damaged. Uh, there's only a couple of sprays that will control pine beetles. You can't buy them. They're, they're what they call restricted-use pesticides. And so what I would do is I would call either the, the county extension office uh, or the the, far, the county forestry commission, and or, or just Google go online and Google them and see what they recommend for treating against pine bark beetles, and when to apply it, which is basically going to be a, a month from now. That's the only thing you really need to worry about that you can do anything about pine beetles, and they are, you know, I've seen pine trees that are perfectly healthy. One gets struck by lightning, the rest are fine. Two weeks later, the one struck by lightning is eaten up with pine beetles. See, so that's the only thing you really need to worry about. You can either Google that or call the uh, forestry or the extension service for your county. Okay, I, I, I I'll do that. I, I don't keep track of I, I don't keep track of what they recommend anymore. I just know the in principle what you need to do. Right. I read that there are three insecticides that are effective, and I didn't know who to call or how to get that done, or you know, to find out what that might you, cost to get somebody to do that. You, you in the Jackson area? Yeah, I, I work in Jackson, but I live in Madison, and the, the land is in okay. Madison. Okay. Normally I don't do this because it's a statewide program, but call Hutto's and ask for Herbie. Okay. He, he knows it. Herbie knows his stuff. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Okay. Good luck. 
hope to see you next week. See you, man. All right. Bye. All right. Now, how are we doing here? Oh, we got time to talk to to do another call. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and talk to Curry in Jackson. Okay. Good morning, Curry. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of uh, Lord Moncrief for 26 years. And he kind of keep me up on things, but I was curious. I have two six foot uh, mother in law plant in in my living room, which gets the morning sun. And uh, what kind of plant again? What what kind of plant? Mother in law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. One of my favorites, by the way. Yeah, and, and it's surprising they're six feet tall. I'm trying to hold on to them, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> one one of the questions is. Since the since it's been cold weather at night, I close all my blinds to shut, try to shut out whatever cold weather is trying to get in. So in the morning, that is that morning sun any important day, any part of the day? Uh, yeah, uh, for, yeah, the mother-in-law tongue, which some people call a snake plant, uh, you know, okay. two different folk names, the same thing. They do really well in fairly low light, uh, and okay. and they're they're actually edge of the jungle desert type plants they grow you know right right where jungle goes to desert so they like bright indirect light but they don't like a lot of water uh and if it's not getting enough light the leaves are going to get long and stretchy and that's 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 really all all there is to it you know unless you want to wrap it up with some string or something like that it's really going to need to be fairly close to winter not in direct light but as bright as possible and it without that it's going to get long and leggy and floppy not much way around that Yes, yeah, it's, it's indirect sun where they are sitting because it uh, it's not on the front where the sun directly comes in, but it's on the side, and both of them got right. Uh, but you windows. But you got the window closed though. Yeah, yeah. The windows stay closed. So, they shut. They shut closed. Yeah. yeah. They never open. And it just you know. You know, I, I grow several different kinds. It's one of my favorite plants because it can, you know, it takes care of itself when I'm gone for a, a lot of times. But uh, it does need some light. If you got the the windows closed, it ain't getting nothing. No. So you know, if if now here's 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 one thing you can do. If you want to, you can cut those tall leaves off, and they put new leaves up from the ground. See, so if some get too tall to flop over, it's okay to cut some out every now and then. Give it some water and a little fertilizer, and they they'll put out some new leaves. Well, the uh, most of them are, are just straight up straight. They're they straight up, so they don't need to be cut off. I like the the height of them, and uh, yeah. they they straight up. They're not flopping over. And uh, yeah, the second the second question, as you may have answered in the process just now, is the watering. It's it's been very cold, and the the heat. Been, I've been running the heat a whole lot at nighttime. And uh, do I need to water them more? Because they seem mighty. They seem mighty dry, and I only water them once a month. That, you know, this is again this yeah this this is a desert type plant. It's not a full sun cactus plant, but it's a succulent, and they don't need a lot of water. Uh, I'm gone sometimes for two or three months at a time, and I don't water mine at all. But the main thing, matter of fact, too much water is worse than not enough. So when you do water it, try this, uh, Curry. Water them twice. Water them once. Let it sort of soak in. Come back a few minutes, an hour or so later, and hit them a second time. And that second watering will really soak in. So, you know, that first water just runs right through the pot. So water them a little bit. Come back a few minutes, an hour or so later. Hit them a second time. 
and they'll last a whole lot longer than if you just water them just every now and then. So water twice a little, a few minutes apart, uh, and then you know just don't let them stay dry for months and months. They'll be fine. So thirty-two ounces of, of water for each one of them is enough in a month, right? No, 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 no. Not how much water, but how often. You know, different size pots, different kind of potting soil. You know, a certain amount of water uh, may or may not be enough or may be too much. The main thing is water each one as much as it needs. Then come back and water the second time. Uh, you know, matter of fact, you can put it in the bathtub or something or, or anything. The main thing is water it really good when you water it. But don't, yeah. you know, it's not a certain amount of water per plant is what I'm saying. So water yeah. it until it starts mm-hmm. running out the bottom. Come back a few minutes later, hit it again, and, and that should do it, rather than a specific amount. Well, these pots are so big, there's no such thing as moving them not at this point, because I'm changing from pot yeah. to pot in, in that same spot. Yeah. So yeah. this yeah. is the biggest pot that I can, I can get. But, yeah, I think yeah. the answer to the question is that it don't need a whole lot of water, and it's really not how much water it's, it's just. Uh, That's right. Water, water, water them twice. Whenever you get around to it, that'll do it. Okay. All righty, man. Okay. Good luck on it, Curry. Appreciate appreciate your call, man. Hey, Felder, let's go ahead and break things yeah. up a little bit. Um, we don't put you through your paces early, and we still have a full bank of calls um, um, in the wings. So let's let's go ahead and take a break. Let you catch your breath and stuff. Oh, just the regular break or the uh, the music break? Oh, the music break. Yeah, I, I want I want to get into this song, man. Okay, okay. Well, let me let me set it up while we're doing this, folks. I'm Horticulture Spelled Rushing. Me and Java Chapman and other folks at MPB, we, we love bringing this program to you. We're going to get back to the phone calls, but I like to break up a little cheesy music. And today, the picture that I'm sending, you know, I send a picture every week to go with our podcast. This one is of my little traveling gnome. And I took them around because we're headed back home to Mississippi. I took them around to visit all these little gnome friends. So I got a picture of my gnome visiting all his friends saying goodbye, and we decided to play a digging song in honor of that. We're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener after listening to my gnome saying bye to all his friends right after this.
Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Stellar Rushing. And sometime after we get off the air this morning, if you want to see this picture of my little gnome, he's my traveling gnome. And I used to carry my MPB coffee cup with me, but I broke it. And so I planted some succulents in it. And I think I sent a picture of that. Who? that must have been about a month ago, Java, I guess. But anyway, I got this little gnome I travel with now. And uh, it's kind of a cute picture. He's standing with a bunch of local gnomes from northern England, from Lancashire, in some snowdrops uh, that are in full bloom over here right now. Anyway, if you've got some things you want to chat about, give us a call, toll-free, mpb ring And I'll uh, be glad to talk to you about whatever's on your gardening mind. You say we got some callers already, Java? Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's go to Glenn and Florence. Okay. Hey, hey, Glenn, good morning. Thanks for holding. Hey, Felder, thank you for taking my call, and uh, you've been real good to answer my emails that I've sent you, so I wanted to talk to you. And uh, one of the things is I have I finally bought a book where I wouldn't have to bother you so much, and I identified a couple of interesting <laughs> trees that came up in my yard that are called Chinese parasol trees. I'm kind of late to the gardening, and they're really cool looking, but I found out that they're uh, considered by some to be invasive, and uh, I'm beginning to believe that the definition of invasive is stuff that does real well on its own if you leave it alone. And I would, I was wondering what yeah. your thoughts were on the Chinese parasol tree and the definition of invasive. Yeah, well, this and, and, and by the way, it's a it's a hot button issue. Some people are so so serious about plants being invasive that even native plants from South Mississippi are considered invasive if you plant them in North Mississippi and they spread. See, so invasive is a, a, a hot-button issue. It basically means something that if you plant it, it spreads and takes over, okay? And sometimes it's really, really bad. Think kudzu, for example. It, it you know, takes over everything. Some things are will spread and all, but they're not what I call going to wreck the environment. Uh, and I think Chinese parasol is like it. I grow it myself. Uh, I love it. It's sort of like a Dr. Seuss plant. You know, you can see Dr. Seuss grow, uh, uh, drawing something like that. It's a terrific, fast-growing, good shade plant. Uh, but it comes up from seed in my garden here and there. I just simply pull them up. But if they get over in the neighbor's yard and it causes improvs like bamboo, uh, then it's a problem. But it, anyway, I grow the Chinese. I grow quite a few plants that some purists say I shouldn't grow because they're invasive. And I'm thinking, shut up. It's my yard, and I'm not growing kudzu or bamboo. You know, so uh, it's, it's really, it's, about, it's, it's a matter of being responsible, and some plants that take over can actually completely take over. And uh, Chinese parasol is not going to do that. Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of the way I feel about it, too. And I, and I, uh, I observed somebody that, there's nothing more invasive than an oak tree. I pull those up in my yard all the time, and flower beds and everything, and everybody loves those. But so I was just wondering, yeah, you know, yeah, it, well, this 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 is the thing that I've got, and and I, I I'm not trying to butt heads with people, but if they want to butt heads, bring it on. The nine worst weedy plants that I spend the most time pulling in my garden, the top nine are all native plants, including my natives. My, my neighbor's post oak tree, but I still grow them because you know it's just part of gardening, and I just pull them up. It's not that big a deal, but just because a plant is from Asia doesn't mean it's worse than a plant from Mississippi if it completely wrecks your yard. 
an oak tree can wipe out a vegetable garden real quick. Oh, yeah, and I did. One, one of those books I bought said the Chinese parasol was rare, but it must have been printed about 20 years <laughs> ago because they're everywhere, you know. So anyway, thanks for taking yeah. my call. Yeah, and like I say, you will never win an argument with somebody about whether you should or should not be able to plant what you want in your own yard. That that is an impossible. It's like arguing with any with political or really any kind of zealot. You just can't win that. So just hold your head up and go on. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, you bet. Appreciate it. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm gonna get in trouble with that one, Java. But you <laughs> said you said bring it on. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, and, and I, I hate to be this way, but, you know, if you want to talk about invasive species, let's ask the Choctaws to think about my people. <laughs> but we're not going to go there. Yeah, let's go to, let's go to Charles in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Charles, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, I got a few questions about my loan. I've got uh, centipede. And I need to know what kind of fertilize and uh, what time of the year is the, the best time to put it out. Okay, this, this is actually the easiest lawn question to answer uh, of all the things you'll hear. If you go to a garden center and buy something that's called centipede food, I'm, I'm not making this up. The first and third number will be the same with the zero middle number. The stuff called centipede food perfect for centipede and also perfect for St. Augustine, and you put it out once a year, no earlier than April. So sometime in April or May, put out a bag of centipede food, and you are, you've winterized, you've done everything your lawn needs, really for a couple of three years, because the, the grass clippings recycle the, the, the nutrients. So it, it, no more than once a year, at least every three or four years, put some centipede food out in April or May. And you'll be done. And raise your mower, and you'll be done with it. Okay. Well, uh, um, what, what? It's just centipede. Uh, it's just, on the bag. just yeah, centipede food. And if you look centipede at the food. Numbers, you know, like yeah, centipede you know, food. Like a, okay. All right, I got you. That's right. Now, now if they uh, don't have it, ask them to get it for you. Okay. Uh, I've got a problem with shades all around my house. And centipede yeah. don't do well in the shade. What would you recommend? Nope. Uh, what I would do, and this sounds like a little bit of a chore, but once you do it, you'll feel a whole lot better about it. And, and keep in mind, this is a real common problem. I live in a shady neighborhood, too. But all over England, all over Japan, all over everywhere I go, grass and trees don't mix. Sooner or later, you have to do something. The easiest thing to do would be to go out, while the ground's wet, and just dig you a little ditch. It doesn't have to be more than three inches deep, you know, just a little little edge, and say, here's where the grass stops, and here's where the grass is not. And then let the tree leaves fall and bark mulch and stuff like that and have sun in the shade, a little ditch or something, and then leaves, ground covers, mulches, things like that in the, in the shade. So grass in the sun other stuff in the shade. And what makes it work, uh, Charles, is a nice little neat uh, line between the two. What what I saw yesterday in the Botanic Garden, where their grass stops growing towards the tree, they took tree limbs, 
and they just made a little a little border of just tree limbs, and on one side is grass, on the other side they just let the leaves fall, and they put out bark mulch, and you know you, then you start plugging in monkey grass or ivy or something that grows in the shade. But uh, the, what what makes it work is a distinct line saying here's where the grass stops, and it immediately looks like you know what you're doing. Sounds like a good idea. What about uh, zoysia grass? It, will it will it grow in the shade? Of course, it's a totally different type of grass. It, it is, and this is the kind of thing. When when I studied turf management at Mississippi State and at LSU, we were always taught that if you got fifty percent grass uh, shade, you're out of the grass business. They say St. Augustine will take a lot of shade. It will once it's there. But once it's gone, trying to get it started again is almost impossible. Zoy, the, the, the grass that will tolerate the most shade is St. Augustine, followed by centipede and zoysia. But trying to get it started in the shade, next to impossible. And I've been doing this for over 40 years. And I've never seen a success story of getting grass, any grass started again in the shade, just like I was taught at Mississippi State. So it's time to ride around the old parts of town, look at what they do. And you'll notice in the shade they got... Asian jasmine or monkey grass or English ivy or just mulch or leaves, but but they don't have grass in the shade. So sooner or later, it's just going to have to go with this. Grass in the sun, other stuff in the shade. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Good luck on it. Okay. All righty. And, and uh, by the way, I should have mentioned to Charles, if somebody's telling him different than this, uh, see if they got their hands stuck in your pocket for money or not because – I don't sell anything. This is just what I was taught and what I've seen my, myself from personal experience. Now let's slide back to Jackson talk with Jim. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. Yeah. Uh, I've got a What's question up? about uh, the black mold on crepe myrtles. We're seeing that some on our crepe myrtles in Greenwood, and I want to know the best time to spray for that. Is it before the leaves come out or while the leaves are on the crepe myrtle? Wait, wait, spraying for what? Not not the bar, not the crepe myrtle bark scale, is it? Yes. Yeah, no, the spray, there are no sprays for that. You have to use a liquid soil drench. It's a, it's a systemic insecticide you put on the ground in the springtime. It's absorbed in the roots and kills them from within. There is no spray for crepe myrtle bark scale. I, I'm best real sure of that. Best time to apply that would be about this time of year? No, no, no. The soil drenches, and, and this is what Mississippi State says, is what the Crate Myrtle Society of America says, what Texas and they say use a systemic soil drench in uh, in April, May, or early June. It, after the trees start to leaf out, that's when they absorb and pull the stuff in up into the tree. So springtime, late March, April, May is the time to put the soil drench out. Now I got to point this out. This is a not. This is. This only works for a year or two before they come back. So before you start spending the 30 or $40 it's going to take to treat each tree, think about whether it's worth doing it or not. And, and certainly I'd run it by Cecile in the Greenwood because she's sort of in charge of all that. But uh, there's not there's not a good long-term solution. There's not a good long-term solution for Crate Myrtle Bart scale. Sorry. Thank you, Felder. All right. Appreciate it. Ooh, I know that sounds like really bad news to a lot of folks because crepe myrtle bar scale is a serious problem and is showing up worse and worse. The only control for it that we've got, and this is straight out of Mississippi State University, Texas A&M, Crepe Myrtle Society of America, they all agree 
a systemic soil drench only in the spring and probably have to do it at least every couple of years until you just get tired of it. That's just the way it goes. Sorry. Who we got, Java? All right, Felder, we have uh, Francis in Natchez, Jackie in Summit, but we're going to get to them after we take this break. Uh, we've been putting you oh, through your paces, man. I want you to catch your breath and stay stay in top form. Hey, it's, it's off to work we go, man. That's what we do. I've been, been looking forward to this all week long. Glad to be here. And if you've got some things you'd like to chat with other gardeners about, send a uh, – go, go online. I don't know if you do – media or not you don't have to do but go, go to facebook and google mississippi gardening and you'll find a place where there are thousands of gardeners who post pictures and questions and helpful hints mississippi gardening is for mississippians it's by mississippians and it's free it's facebook mississippi gardening on on uh, on facebook so we'll be back with more of the gestalt gardener right after this Okay, dokie folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. And before we go to these calls, let me just mention I got a couple of, uh, I noticed a couple of posts on the Mississippi uh, Gardening Facebook thing. One is a uh, fellow just got a, a fig tree ready to plant, and it looks like from the picture that's about seven feet tall. He wants to know should he cut it back before planting. And I am absolutely firm about this. I've been, I was raised with fruit trees. I study fruit science. I grow fruit myself. There's not a commercial fig grower or peach or plum or apple or pear tree grower on earth who would put out a tree and not cut it off without knee high to make it start branching out close to the ground. This is what all the people who know what they're doing do. So if you're sitting out a new fruit tree, see what the graft is, cut it off at least a foot or foot and a half above that, but in general, cut new fruit trees back. Trees, I'm not talking about blueberries and blackberries, but figs, apples, pears, peaches, plums, Cut them back to about knee high to thigh high the day you put them in the ground. This is sort of sort. This is sort of a crucial thing. And then uh, one other real quick. Somebody just moved here. They live in North Mississippi. She said it's 70 degrees today. Going to be 73. No, it's going to be cold. But think about planting watermelons and black-eyed peas. When do y'all start planting? <laughs> and the answer is that another month and a half. Anyway, who we got on the line, Sir Java? Uh, let's go to Natchez oh, and talk with Francis. I, I, I see you know now. Hey, Francis, good morning. Hey, Felder. Uh, thanks for having me on. I got a question yeah, yeah. and a comment. Uh, I'm kind of like a forager like you. Uh, I told you about the Iliagnus, and uh, believe me, I do eat the fruit. I like it. But I got a cousin that's involved with the Atlanta Harvest Program in uh, Georgia. And uh, yeah. it, it's kind of like a farmer's market. But uh, he got me on to a plant called, it looks like, I can't think of the name of it, but it looks like a, a, a shamrock, and it has a kind of like a pinkish, a lavender flower on it. Yeah. And he told me yeah. that those stems and leaves were really good to eat. I mean, and I tried them, and they are. And uh, yeah, I've never yeah. heard yeah. of that before. Yeah, yeah. It's a it, matter of fact, a lot of people think, I, I love it. As a matter of fact, I planted some in my little meadow garden. It's called oxalis, and it's a type of clover. But yeah. now here's the deal, though. It tastes kind of a, it's not sweet, it's not bitter, it's not, it's got a kind of a, a an interesting little flavor. 
but it's got oxalic acid, and if you eat too much of it, it's going to affect your stomach. Wow. Glad you told me that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my but, I mean, you, you know, if, it, you, know, if you, eat, you eat too much okra, it's going to mess you up, too. But the main wow. thing is, and, and if you're interested in this, if you'll shoot me an email, I have a little publication, a free thing I put together called Food Foraging Around the Hood. Stuff you can find in your neighborhood that you can eat out of your yard or neighbor's yards. Whole gotcha. thing. It's got oxalis and all that on it. Gotcha. And, and now my comment uh, to everybody, you know, uh, wondering when warm weather will be here to stay. I, I've noticed this ever since I was a, a, a child. Look to the trees, the pecan trees and the walnut trees. When you're uh, seeing them start to bloom, cold weather is behind us. You know, you're you're right. Pecan trees typically leaf out around the first week or so in April, and that's about when the soils warm. You know, we're going to have cold temperatures, warm temperatures, but plants want to know when is the dirt warm and it's going to stay warm. And dirt doesn't get warm till about when pecans leaf out, first part of April. That's a really good observation. Now, who would you learn that from, Francis? Observation. <laughs> I told you I'm a forager <laughs> like you. <laughs> Well, see, I was raised by people who, who told me all this kind of stuff. I think it's called phenology. Uh, yeah, phenology is doing things according to, you know, when a, when the, the oak tree leaves are about the size of a mouse's ear and all that kind of stuff. But basically, uh, pecan trees are a good indication. That's the time yeah. to plant. Okay. Thanks for having me, Appreciate it, man. Hey, good, right. and remember, octalis is good, but too much of a good thing will mess you up. Let's slide down to Summit over and uh, talk with Jackie. Good morning, Jackie. Thank you for calling. Thank you. I want to make one comment and then a question. Um, your comment okay. about, well, and I've got a lot of them. I noticed and I've heard you say that this disease is a real problem and not and preferably plant something that is more native. But I saw an email from Mississippi State promoting them last about a week or so ago, and I was really surprised about it. But anyway, that's what they were saying. Great plant. Plant them. All the different colors. Plant, plant what? Wait, wait, that, planting what? Uh, crepe myrtles. Crepe they myrtles. Yeah, they're going to say that. They, they, they're going to say that because the people who write that are not the ones who are out there having to deal with it. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm I retired Mississippi State horticulturist. I see what they write, but and, and you can plant crepe myrtles, but, you know, in Natchez, this is a serious problem. Natchez is known for its crepe myrtle, the crepe myrtle festival, but this is a serious insect that we didn't have six, seven years ago. So, uh, well, anybody, you, you know, you, you can plant them, but just understand we're going to have problems, going to have to use a, a very powerful systemic insecticide one of the most powerful on earth from now on. That's just the way it is. And, you know, I work with the Crepe Myrtle Society of America. I'd be, I'd love it if they would come up with something, but they can't. Anyway, if you scroll down the article, it does mention diseases, but it really downplays it. It doesn't mention that it's as serious as you have said and we have seen. So, um, yep, but anyway. Yep. My question's about stickers. I called you late in the spring last year, and you said, no, 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 can't do anything about them in February. So right. I've got, I went by Huddo's and talked to Billy and got the spray, and I'm down in Summit. Uh, I've got stickers all over the yard. So he said, just miss yeah. it when it's not windy. Do I spray it once or twice? And how, how long in between sprays if I have to spray it more than once? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, let me catch everybody up. So with stickers are a problem in the spring when they have seeds that stick in our feet, but they're hard to kill them. So if you have stickers in the spring, you need to treat them now while the plants are small and easier to kill because what will kill stickers can damage your lawn when it greens up later. And anything that will control dandelions or clover will control stickers. Uh, but anyway, the time to apply it is now on a warm day when the stickers are actually growing. And you're right, two applications a week or so apart is better than one really strong application. It's sort of like chemotherapy, a little at a time because you don't want to kill the patient. So one or two sprays a week or two apart, and sometime in January, February, extreme early March is the best time to do it. I got it, and Billy did emphasize don't spray it. You want to just mist it. So he gave me a container that was, you know, I thought kind of small, but he said one one ounce to one gallon and just mist it with your sprayer. So that's what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm yeah. Thank you. And, and, and also, I want to throw out one other thing, uh, Francis, I mean, Jackie, because this is important. Stickers are a symptom that your lawn is thin. If you got stickers, to me it would be better to spend this next summer, raise your mower to a high setting, give it a little bit of fertilizer, maybe centipede fertilizer in, in, in April. Do whatever you can to thicken your grass up over the summer, and you won't have stickers next year. But if you got stickers, you don't have good thick grass, and if you kill the stickers, guess what's going to come back? More stickers. So spray them now, but also spend this summer mowing high, a little fertilizer in April, trying to get your grass thick enough to where you don't have to spray every year. The chemotherapy is is a dead end is what I'm saying. Treat the treat the, the, the problem, not the symptom. Well, this is my husband's home site. His parents have been gone many years, and we have somebody that comes in a huge yard. My mother-in-law loved a huge yard. So I'm sure the trucks brought them in when they come in and cut our grass, and we've had them raise the mower up higher. But it is a big, yeah. big yard, so we're just doing the best yeah. I can. Well. The, the, at least every three or four years, you need to put a little fertilizer. And this because grass is not from here, and if you don't give it what it needs, it's going to thin out. So your stickers are are saying grass isn't growing that well. So do what you can to help your grass, and they will sure cut down on the expense. Cheaper than treating for stickers. I've got a lot of moss around the house, and I see the stickers in with the moss, and I know I'm killing the moss too, but I can't separate the two, so the moss is going to have to go yep. with stickers. I totally get it. But like I say, stickers and moss are symptoms that you don't have a good lawn. So anyway, to, to, to the, we're talking apples and oranges here. You, you you got it. You got it from here. Thank you so much. Okay, Francis. Thank you, Kyle. Now let's slide down to Ocean Springs. Hey, Hugh, thank you for holding on, man. You've been holding on for a while. What's up? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I have a couple of questions about transplanting. One is a, my, yeah. a shrub, a, a, something called a sweet shrub. It's called a sweet shrub. It's got that bloom, dark bloom, this sweet smelling. And yeah. it does not yeah, seem yeah. to be happy in late afternoon sun. No, it's, so a, it's a native woodland plant. It's actually native to our woods, and it does best. Oh. It'll take morning sun, but it really is yeah. a, sort of a shade plant. Okay, and then the other two, uh, a caracara, orange, and satsuma tree, they they're not getting, I don't think they get enough sunlight. You know, they're kind of behind, a, what, like a, a graybeard tree. Yeah. And I want yeah, those, to move those. 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 Is, this, is this a good time to move it? Like, am I, am I too late? It's, it's, it's the best time to move it. How, how old are these trees? Oh, a couple of years. 
Oh, this is a big more. deal. Uh, it, yeah, I, I would go ahead and dig the hole where they're going first because that's the hardest part. Instead of trying to do it all at one time and just doing a, a halfway job, dig the dig the nice wide hole where they're going first, and then if you feel like moving them one at a time till you till you peter out, but dig the holes first. And then when you move okay. them, it's really important to to, to take some of it because you're leaving most of the roots behind. You stick your arms straight out, wiggle your fingers. That's where the roots are, and you're leaving nothing but shoulders when you move it. So take some of the top off. You can cut that sweet shrub back to knee-high, waist-high if you want to, and it'll bush back out. But on the fruit trees, at least thin out some of the cluttered limbs and some of the branches that are left on the limbs. So, you know, I take as much as a, a fourth or a third of the whole plant and cut it completely off before you move it to take stress off of it. Yeah, it's a little more than the main branch of the tree, the main stem, main trunk, you know. And yeah, it's probably I, not I'm just five saying, feet it, tall, you know. It's well, got very few branches. Well, you know, it's, it's still important, you know, to, to, to okay. have a trunk, three or four main limbs and then some branches. And, you know, just it, help it out. Cut it back some when you move it. That'll help a whole bunch. And, and uh, any time this month. I'm sorry. All right, man. Appreciate you. No, appreciate right. the call. Thank you, man. I told you we were putting you through your paces today, man. We're waiting for you to come back and be in studio next week. That's okay. Well, I hope folks enjoy the the, uh, plant sales this weekend, Saturday, Crosby Arboretum down in Picayune, the Clinton Community Nature Center in Clinton. That's Saturday. And hope to see some of y'all at Hutto's a week from tomorrow, my home fruit seminar. It's a free seminar. And I don't sell anything. I'm just blabbering on So. Meanwhile, hopefully I'm going to be back in studios. If I get through one more COVID test that says I'm free from it, they'll let me on an airplane and I'll be home. Me and the gnome are coming back to Mississippi. See y'all next week. If you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. 